You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first Monday of the NFL season. First Monday following NFL action. Uh, this is the SP Nation NFL show. This is Monday Football Monday. A reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, this is the first post-mortem Monday of the NFL season. Uh, so far, 15 teams very happy, 15 very upset, 14 of them made happy and upset, of course, on Sunday. We're going to get to all of Sunday's action, including, guess my Dallas Cowboys falling apart in front of the world. My name is RJ Ochoa, the fantastic Rachelle Prevet with us on the ones and twos. But joining me, as he always does, from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride, it is a dapper-looking Pete Sweeney. Pete, I know you were already on the news today in the KCMO Metropolis yeah. Um, how you feeling? You look good. You look tan. Is there a bronzer that you're using here? I got to be honest. It kind of looks that way. If it's natural, good for you. I, I really made an effort. I think this summer before the fall began to, to get some sun. I, mm. I think in previous years, I hadn't been as smart about it. I hadn't put enough sunscreen on to really balance the tan, make sure I don't hurt my skin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's carried over into the fall. And I like that I'm I'm tan. I like that I'm beautiful this morning because I'm feeling good for a lot of reasons, RJ. And I, I have to say something about you. And I know we're going to get into all the games here in a second. I was sort of expecting you to show up today, like almost in like a muscle shirt or like a loose no. I do wear a lot of tank tee. tops. Yeah, I'm a big tank top. Guy. Because we know about victory Monday mm-hmm. polo, right? Mm-hmm. Polo Monday victory. Mm-hmm. I was I you know I was just wondering what the attire would be when you know you wake up and your team is the worst team in the NFL. That's why I was thinking maybe the complete opposite of a polo. Um I need one of like um like you know what Nicolas Cage was wearing in Conair like at the end. You yes. know what I mean like when when he shows right. up in his family he's like, and he has the little bunny yeah. for the little girl like I need like a completely tattered, you know, like yeah. super thin like just hanging on um sort like of Bill of... Belichick end of season. Right wear and tear on something yeah that's what i expected you to be wearing uh we will touch on every single game in some capacity here uh a reminder to subscribe to the sb nation nfl show wherever you get your podcasts leave a rating right review you can watch our show live on the sb nation nfl facebook page twitter page or youtube channel uh pete first game up we have a very special guest we're going to be doing this every single week here uh on mondays um I would uh, maybe the game of the week. I, I don't know how how, yeah. how anybody wants to frame this, but from SB Nation Cincy Jungle, John Sheeran uh, joins us now to talk about the Cincinnati side of things. John, first question: Any relation to Ed? Yeah, he's a, he's a distant cousin. You know, I get that a lot, but yeah, it, it's it's mm-hmm. nice to have that notoriety in the fan. But it actually helps me or helps us like have our name be pronounced right because usually it's like Shireen or Sharan, but now now the Ed's kind of famous. You know, we get the name right. 
Mm. <laughs> um, am I the first person to make that joke or like the 500? Might be the 5,000th, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know wow. what? Good for me. Uh, well, hanging a fruit. I'm, I'm sorry this morning. That, that's um, if it is no an obvious, John. Um, the, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'll be honest with you. I'm not as big of a believer as a lot of people. I, I kind of, you know, drank the Kool-Aid of it being a more of a Cinderella run last year, as far as an announcement of legitimacy, a 23 to 20 overtime loss. Um, I, I would categorize it really as, as a lack of a win, as, as, you know, more than a loss, at least as far as the Bengals are concerned. Your thoughts with what was one of the more chaotic week one games we have seen in recent memory. Kind of felt like the quarterback forgot how to play football for a little bit there in the first half. It was one of the worst, at least first half performances I think we've ever seen from Joe Burrow. He wasn't even that bad, even in his first year at LSU. He was thrown into double coverage. He was late on some of those on some of those passes that he threw. And credit to the Steelers defense. Like they're really a top heavy unit. Like they don't have a ton of great depth all over, but that defensive line is still really good. And even though the Bengals spent a lot of money on the offensive line this offseason, they took advantage of the left side of the Bengals' offensive line, Jonah Williams, and a rookie starter at left guard in Cordell Volson. They were charged, I think, with the most pressures and sacks allowed in the game. So the offensive line still had troubles against T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Alex Highsmith and Mika Fitzpatrick really came to play. He made a lot of clutch plays, including a pick six and a blocked extra point, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, it was not a great half from Burrow in the offense. But, you know, we can attribute that to Russ, the fact that he missed a lot of training camp time with an appendectomy. But things started to look a little bit better in the second half. And the Bengals defense played outstanding for most of the game. And maybe the Steelers offense is really just that bad. But the defense definitely kept them in the game. And despite five turnovers and seven sacks, they were just a long snapper away from winning the game. So yeah, definitely chaotic. I think the thing that I'm wondering, and you always wonder about this when a team comes off of a Cinderella run like the Bengals did, is there a sense in Cincinnati, among Cincinnati fans right now, that this could be a Super Bowl hangover type of game where everything will be fixed next week? Or is the panic high right now? Like, okay, did we just revert back to what we were used to? I don't think the panic is is quite there yet. I, I think people are attributing it to a little bit to Russ just because Burrow didn't play very much in training camp and no, no real starters actually played in the preseason at all. But still, you don't want to play that bad and come out of the gate that flat against a team that you should beat. So there has been a lot of conversations about the hangover and whether whether it's real or not. And for me, in that sense, like I always think when it comes to a team that you know goes the dis- goes the distance in that year, it's always like the team that's kind of at the tail end of their window where they invested so much into this and they get so far and they just come up a little bit close. With the Bengals, the window was just opening last year and then they just completely overachieved in the postseason compared to what you know the quality of team that they were in the regular season. So I think for them, it, it was the sense that we're just getting started and we went, you know, as far as we could have without actually winning the Super Bowl, but there's still a hunger. There's still a desire to improve and actually get back to that point. So I'm not entirely on the hangover side of things yet, but after that first half, it's, it's really hard to just completely to, uh, dismiss it. Yeah, John, it does kind of feel like last year was a little bit of house money on the season specifically, right? Like, obviously, everybody wants to win the Super Bowl. But to your point, this this level of acknowledgement, like, hey, this is just the beginning. We'll be back. We'll be fine, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I'm not down on the Bengals by any means, but I, I just don't personally view, you know, this team as, as an AFC powerhouse quite yet. I, you know, and, and I say that respectfully. I want, want to see a little bit more proof of concept. 
Um, and I said coming into this game that this was an opportunity. It was in Cincinnati, in the jungle. You got the big, bad Pittsburgh Steelers who have been the big brother forever in this division. So go out and do it. Do what you're supposed to. Be the favorite. Be the consensus. Be the team that everybody has kind of anointed you to be. You earned it in a lot of senses. And again, it was kind of haphazard the way it happened. But the final result is a Steelers win on the road in Cincinnati. Now the Bengals 0-1 on the year, 0-1 in the division, 0-1 in the division at home. Is there any kind of like, you know, it, 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 you know, a sense of like this being the first thread, at least like tug, the, the thread of tugging at, at like insecurity that maybe this is the beginning of just reverting back to the norm? I still think it's a little bit too early for that. Like I'm just a, I'm also a really big com- believer in just week one being chaotic in general. And I think that will continue to be the case so long as teams don't really try that much in the preseason and we, and we saw this at the beginning of last year, too. It took a couple weeks for this to happen for the Bengals, but they played against the Chicago Bears in week two last season. Joe Burrow threw, I think, three interceptions. They had four or five turnovers that game, and they lost a game that they should have won in Chicago. And it was a wake-up call for them to, like, hey, we got to figure this thing out. They were one and one at the time, and, you know, expectations weren't nearly as high this time last year as they were now. So, you know, I, I do attribute some of it to just week one madness and in chaoticism and also you know there's still some things that the Steelers are really good at and I think they they deserve credit for just you know turning the ball over five times and just giving their their team a chance to win all throughout the game and again the Bengals were again a long snapper a healthy long snapper away from just winning that game at the last second so there's I think there's equal amounts of positives to take away as negatives considering the fact that they, they did come out of the game in the second half looking a little bit better and just giving themselves a chance to win that game. So I think if this continues over the next couple of weeks, then yeah, that panic button will definitely be pressed. I'm with you. I think maybe we looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers and forgot how good their defense can be. Now we'll see what happens with TJ Watt. I know there's reports that he could miss significant time and that could change things significantly. So we'll see, but I, I think you're right. I think the Pittsburgh defense played well and they can get pressure on the quarterback. And, and that leads me to my next question about the Bengals. The Bengals, you looked at this team, and this is why I was, just as I am a Chiefs defender, I was almost as much, especially on this show, a Bengals defender when the Buffalo Bills were getting all this hype because the Bengals went out and fixed their offensive line. Yet you have a situation yesterday where it was Joe Burrow quarterback being ta- sacked seven times, I believe. You watched this game closer than than we did. Is that a concern? Because I know what you mean about a crazy week one, but this was a, a very concerted effort, it seemed like, to fix the offensive line, protect Burrow. Was it poor offensive line play or maybe Burrow making mistakes, maybe happy feet? What did you see when it came to uh, him being sacked yesterday? I definitely believe that Burrow was responsible for at least two of them. Just And okay. I think that's unfortunately something that you have to accept with Burrow. He'll always be trying to make a Superman play and sometimes that'll lead to sacks. So th- I think you will always have to account for that in the grand scheme of things, as far as like the guys that they brought in. So they have three veteran additions from center to right tackle, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lil Collins, and then they have a rookie starter at left guard in Cordo Volson and Volson. He was going up against Cam Hayward. I think many Bengals fans chalk that up like, yeah, that's not going to be a good matchup. And he gave up, I think, at least two sacks. The left tackle, Jonah Williams, he's the only remaining starter from last year. And he had a bad game against Alex Highsmith coming off the opposite edge from TJ Watt. The other three guys that they added, I think Karras and Kappa played fine. They played like definite upgrades over who they had last year. Collins was definitely more up and down. He was going up against TJ Watt and he had plenty of help throughout most of the game. And then Watt got hurt, but it was more of a, I mean, the consistent performance from Lil Collins. So as far as the guys that they added, you know, the rookies, the rookies going up against an elite player, and then the three other guys, I think they played fine for the most part. They need 
a better performance from Jonah Williams, though, left tackle, because Alex Highsmith, Alex Highsmith is no scrub at all. But that should be a matchup that Williams should have more wins than losses. And he yeah, he definitely didn't start the game very well. So offensive line, seven sacks looks terrible, but I think they were really only charged maybe like four. And most of that was in the first half. Um. I cover the Dallas Cowboys here at SB Nation, John. So, um, you know, big fan of, of Lyle Collins here. And, and yeah, uh, you and I will be chatting a lot in the coming week. And early congratulations <laughs> on, um, you know, the state of things. Um, I'm with you. I, I mean, again, I, I think you can butterfly affect this thing and, and work it out very well for the Bengals. I do think that Jamar Chase is like three inches away from having like three touchdowns in this game. I, I think a point that you you would agree with, it was just kind of one of those things, very um, kind of Calvin Johnson tackled at the one yard line, you know, kind of thing over and over again. Um, I, I do think, though, I mean, the fact that the Bengals almost won this game was impressive. It reminded me, actually, of a Cowboys win 15 years ago. I don't know if anybody remembers in 2007 on Monday Night Football, Tony Romo had six turnovers and the Cowboys won that game on a last second field goal. Um, is there any kind of moral win um, feeling like, man, you know, this this was a really disastrous performance in a lot of ways, but it's still, you know, we're, we're a healthy long snapper away from winning this game um, in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I think so. Just because of how they finished the fact that I think Burrow, despite all the terribleness that he was in the first half, he technically had like three game winning drives that, that never accumulated to anything. Um, there was one where there was just a plain drop in the end zone from a backup receiver who was playing just because Teagans got concussed. There was the Jamar Chase touchdown that wasn't. And for whatever reason, the Bengals didn't think to challenge that because quote unquote, they didn't have a good view, even though there's guys in the booth who can provide that for them. But that's a whole other thing. Then they miss, they, they mismanaged the time at the end because, again, they had a backup long snapper in there and they they punted the ball with 20 seconds left in the play clock instead of zero, giving the Steelers a chance to drive down the field and ultimately win the game. And of course, they don't practice with the backup long snapper. So who knows what miscommunication issues were there. But yeah, I think the fact that it ended with them should have winning the game despite all the terribleness that happened. And I think it would have been the first time in like 10 years that the team won with a minus five turnover differential. And maybe that's more of a testament to the fact that the Steelers offense is just not very good. And maybe that's the real takeaway here. So yeah, it's again, it's week one. The fact that they looked a lot better in the second half, I think sparks a little bit more of, of a positive. Let's, let's just calm down, reset, look, look towards next week. Yeah. You look towards next week and we got the opening odds from our friends at DraftKings, and the Bengals are six and a half point favorites. You got a ticked off Joe Burrow. I'm sure he's going to smoke a ton of cigars this week as he gets ready for for Dallas. How confident should betters be in taking the Bengals versus a Cooper Rush, RJ, a Cooper Rush led the Dallas Cowboys team, just considering how pissed off probably Joe is going to be entering. Yeah, this that's game. crazy, because I, th I think when the line released initially, it was I think the Cowboys were two point favorites. And then I don't know if there was any Bengals fans who kind of jumped on that, but then yeah, Dak gets hurt and he, he's got a hand injury. So six points on the road is still a lot for a team that, again, played absolutely terrible for one half of week one. So I don't know <laughs> if I would touch that just yet, just to see, you know, how this week of practice goes. Oh, I'm hammering it. it. I don't care. I'm having You got to hammer Cause, it. Because yeah, I, right I, I know the Cowboys, the Cowboys are a much more talented team than the Steelers. But again, the quarterback means a lot. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, like, the, like Mitch Trubisky played okay against the Bengals defense in, in, in some capacities. So I guess we'll see. 
John, uh, we'll, we'll talk Cowboys Bengals, obviously, as the week unfolds. Um, but I, I would take Mitchell Trubisky in a heartbeat right now. However, I, I would add um, the last time the Cowboys and Bengals played, Dak Prescott was hurt and Dallas won the game with a backup quarterback yeah. named Andy Dalton. So there was a nice little kind of common denominator there, although oh. Joe Burrow didn't play in that game, uh, to be very fair. Uh, John, thank you so much for, for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, again, a lot of promise certainly to take away, even though the Bengals lost. Um, he's on Twitter at John. I don't know. Is it two underscores? Because it kind of looks that way to me. Two on underscores. Yeah, that's deceptive. Um, so John, two <laughs> underscores. Underscore. by choice. Unheard of. Um, the, 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 guy, the guy with one underscore, he's in Ireland. He's got, he's got like two followers. He's got like no tweets in the last 10 years. I've contacted Twitter multiple times to get him off, but no, to no avail. I mean, but so... You would think being a Sheeran, you would have some swing there, maybe get that, you that name um, back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really proud of myself for noticing that. But uh, <laughs> so John, double underscore Sheeran on Twitter. Uh, check him out all over Cincy Jungle. Uh, thanks so much, and um, and check out Blog on the Boys this week, where John will make an appearance and uh, and trash a very bad football team. So thanks, John. <laughs> have a great rest of your week. Thanks, guys. Uh, Pete Tweeney. Um, There's got to be nothing better after a bad loss and seeing the Dallas Cowboys on your schedule. I, that has to be just such a treat. So I feel I feel good about John. Um, and his I outlook. feel like death, if I'm being honest. I feel very bad, very <laughs> sad, very mad, very lots of things. Um, where do we want to start? We, we have a, a lot of games to kind of blitz through. We'll, we'll obviously you know, take a, take some bigger bites yeah. out of some. Uh, Pete, we, we've, we've gone through, you we've gone through you Steelers. Want. That was my idea. It was to, to, to touch on the Bengals side of things. So this is your idea. Let's kind of go back and forth here. All right, Pete, you're up next. Take us somewhere. We're in the Pete Mobile. Beep beep. Well, well, let's. Why don't we? Why don't we get the bad taste out of the way? Is there anything that needs to be said about this Dallas Tampa Bay game? I watched a little bit. The Chiefs game had just mm. ended, so you're doing coverage as you watch this game. So I was looking up, looking down at the computer, but it was just an awful, from what I could see, just an awful, awful game in general. And I'm not even making fun of you right uh, now. It just was. A disgusting game to watch just in general, really not entertaining at all after a pretty entertaining day uh, of football. But it just looked like Dallas never had an opportunity. And then once Dak injured his hand, it was over. But it, it felt to over your point, before um, that. It felt yeah. like the day kind of progressively lost steam. Like the Chiefs had an amazing game, but that game was yes. boring. Right. Like, again, for as a football yes. Yeah, yes. fan. Um I don't know what what else there is to say. I mean, obviously, we, we've said a lot and written a lot already at Blogging the Boys. But um but obviously we have Monday night football to go. So there are two teams who haven't played in week one, 30 teams have played a game. 29 of them have scored a touchdown. It, it, like to some degree, it, like they have scored at least one touchdown. The Dallas Cowboys have not. They are the only team in the NFL that has not scored a touchdown. They are 0 and one. They had a huge opportunity, you know, look, shout out to our, I didn't even really know that our Minnesota Vikings, but we're, you're talking a lot of <laughs> NFC powerhouses lost. The Rams lost in week one, the Packers lost, right. the 49ers lost. We'll get to that game as well. This, this was a huge opening. The entire NFC East won. Shout out to Pete. Our SB Nation expert picks was the only person who took the New York football giants and they got the big dub over the Titans. So the Cowboys had to get this. And, you know, especially now everybody's saying this reminds them of 2015 when Tony Romo was hurt at the time when Romo got hurt, the Cowboys were two and zero, and they, they had wins over the giants and Eagles. So that right. was really kind of a huge weight to allow them some, some room for error. And it's why they stayed relevant for so long that season. This looks really bad, man. I mean, this looks like the season from hell. And I think you would support me in saying I kind of called this like every Cowboys fan called this. This mm -hmm. was really predictable. They tore this team apart and did nothing to replenish it or replace it the way the Chiefs did. Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill. So what they do, right. they restocked. I mean, the Cowboys did none of that. All of these problems 
or predictable. Mm-hmm. On the Tampa side of things, I wasn't like overly impressed. I mean, again, this was it was kind of close, no. and that is, I think speaks badly and poorly of the Buccaneers. Although I will say, Julio Jones looked amazing. Um, relatively speaking, of course, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, regular season Lenny looked fine. Brady looked okay. It was a weird game that was just kind of a get the Bucks the win and get this thing off my TV. I'm so sick of watching it. Right. I'll I'll say this with the way that the Dallas situation is set up. If you're just looking on a grander scale, because I hate to tell you this, RJ, like it does feel like 2022 is oh, already dude. over. It felt that way before Dak got hurt, just to be very, very clear. So to your point, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. What what I'd say about it, too, is, you know, we, we had talked about this briefly on this show about just the pressure that Mike McCarthy had just to win a playoff game, because I think he needed to win a playoff game to keep his job. And now I can't see a scenario in which they make the playoffs already. And he's a dead man walking. And I just wonder what the clock is on McCarthy. Does he get leeway to stay through the end of the season for Dak to return? What is the record when Dak returns? Can Dak return? Because we're talking about a hand surgery. Everyone is, you know, that was what's weird about the injury, too, is you're seeing all these reports. And look, I am not a medical expert. <laughs> this is why I did sports. It's like the only thing I liked and, and, and like to study and do whatever like that. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I feel like hand surgery in the middle of the season and just assuming that he's going to be ready after eight weeks seems, I, I think, ambitious, if if you would. And so I I think this is a, a situation in Dallas where it gets blown up. And then just quickly about the Bucks, I don't know how you felt. And maybe we should just go to this game next because we we just we did mention the Vikings, but I felt like Watching Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers yesterday, there was a commonality of, and even in, in Brady's win, you know, Rodgers lost, but even in Brady's win, it just, it did not seem like these guys are having fun anymore. I looked at two older quarterbacks that, where you had Brady retire and then unretire, Aaron Rodgers flirted with retirement and being the, the head of Jeopardy and thought he might do that. And they both came back and they both in this first game looked like they were full of regret for coming back into the NFL. I don't know if you felt so great segue by you. Um, uh, an early lead for Pete on the MF double MVP award. Although John with the double underscore, certainly a heavy contender as well. Um, I picked, we both picked actually the Minnesota Vikings to win the NFC this year. We didn't even realize that until we were kind of chatting about the show on Sunday afternoon. Um, I have picked them to yeah. win the Super Bowl over the Buffalo Bills. You've picked them to lose to the chiefs. Shout out of course, to Super Bowl four. Um, but th- this was, I wouldn't say a coronation of the Vikings as much as it was kind of what you said. This felt like, I, I love that that idea, that perspective about Brady and Rodgers. It kind of feels like watching like a, like a Save by the Bell reboot or something like that. And Zach and AC Slater are out. And it's like, nobody wants to watch this. Like, like no, nobody's enjoying this. Like, right. like all, all you're doing is reminding everyone how long ago this was, how old these people are. If, I mean, <laughs> if. If you're a WWE fan, sometimes they'll bring back these old wrestlers and you're like, oh, my God, we're finally getting Goldberg and The Undertaker. This is great. And they're moving so yeah. slow. And I think it has that. Exactly. That um, Rogers finished 22 of 34, a buck 95, didn't throw a touchdown. The Packers did score one again. So they've got that on the Cowboys. Um, I don't know that there's much to say except for it kind of like again, like the Cowboys win as predicted, right? Like I, I think Rogers looked better than Dak Prescott did before the injury. But I mean he has nobody to throw to, right? Like what, a, what a shocker, you know, missing Devonte mm-hmm. Adams has consequences for this offense. And so I'm very curious to see where the Packers go from here, but I do think we have to give a lot of love appropriately to the Vikings. They they have earned a lot of preseason hype. I, I say that 
but it is kind of relative. I think people are so, yourself included, um, unwilling to believe in Kirk Cousins because they just see the meme. They see the low-hanging fruit joke. But Kirk was awesome. Kirk was efficient. And a big reason why Kirk is awesome is because Justin Jefferson is awesome. My big takeaway is Justin Jefferson is the best player in the NFL right now. I mean, there's there's nobody playing at, at that level at their position, like as far as a gap between them and second place. Just con- to continue this segue, and, I, I, and the last point about the Cowboys, I think there's a little worry about mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb because you just mentioned Justin Jefferson, and going back to the Bengals even, you mentioned Jamar Chase. And these are guys who the other defenses know that yeah. they are – And the, they st- the and they find a way. C.D. Lamb – and granted, C.D. Lamb's playing with a half a quarterback, like, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't good. However – CD Lamb was shut down. You can't shut down Justin Jefferson. But the other defense knows. Same same thing to, to your, an extent with Chase. To your point, same Pete, thing to an extent with Just Hill talking catches. They were both targeted 11 times, CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. And I think a lot of people, by the way, are higher on the Packers defense than they are the Buccaneers defense right now, right? Like, and so right. again, like I'm I'm not saying this is apples to apples, but both targeted 11 times. CD Lamb had two catches. Justin Jefferson had nine catches, let alone the fact that he had 184 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he is unstoppable. And to your point again, I mean, if you're elite, and it hurts me to say because I love C.D. Lamb, but if you're elite, you find a way. If I mean, Travis Kelsey finds a way. Like, if you're elite, you find a way. Who cares if you're getting double, triple teamed? You are elite, so you find a way. And I think we are seeing something incredible unfolding in Minnesota. Agreed. And back to the Cousins point. I, I've never been a Kirk Cousins guy. I think after Andy Dalton pseudo-retired from being a starter, he's now a backup it became the Kirk Cousins line where he's exactly 15. Now, here's the difference, though. When you have an offensive coach and someone who can find the strengths, play to them, get him in, in the right mind frame. My pick of the Vikings was not about Kirk Cousins. Suddenly, am I Kirk Cousins? guy? No, I don't like Kirk Cousins. You know that. I think that O'Connell can make the best out of this high-powered offense, right? Not only do you have Justin Jefferson, you have Dalvin Cook, Madison behind him. You have mm-hmm. Adam Thielen. You got other young receivers that that are entertaining. Kirk Cousins, in a lot of ways, being in Kansas City, reminds me of the Alex Smith Chiefs, which I had an opportunity to cover. You can win with Alex Smith. You can win with Kirk Cousins, but you need the coaching to be there. And I think O'Connell is a, a fantastic coach. And RJ, something I do every year is before the season begins, before Thursday Night Football begins on that Thursday, I'll just post it's not Thursday my Night Football. predictions get, get the for the year. Right, please. So, yeah, and whatever it was, it was on Thursday, whatever that game was on Thursday, I will, and I picked Chiefs over Vikings, and I had a lot of people that clapped back, and I went back yesterday, and I made sure to like everyone ah. clapping back after the Chiefs dominated, and then the Vikings beat the team that was expected to maybe win the NFC. And I just feel like this is a team that is ready to come out of the woodwork. And here's the thing too, like the NFC is oh, wide dude. open. It is well, think wide about it. open. And so that's why it's right for a team like the Vikings that to was... go and do this. And by the way, last point about my project, and I'll, I'll give the floor to you. I picked the, predicted the NFC right two seasons running now. I didn't get the <laughs> Super Bowl right. I've always picked the Chiefs the last three years, but I went Bucks. I went Rams. And I went Vikings. Um, going look, for three I just want to say I'm totally with you. If we were like physically person to person, it'd be a big, big bro hug right now. But big bro hug and like a couple pats on the back. Like that's that's the level of simpatico that we're operating on right here. Um, to be very clear, 
I don't like believe in Kirk. Like, I'm not saying like he's the like engine that's driving this thing, but I think you can win with him if you're a coach who understands how to do that. And I agree with you. That's what Kevin O'Connell is. That's why that's part of why I picked the Vikings. But the biggest reason is, is what you just said. The NFC is wide open. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the only reigning division champion in the conference who won in week one. And part of that was they played the Cowboys, obviously. But I mean, the, the Niners lost as well. The only other, if you like we do classify the Vikings as a contender, the only quote unquote contenders in the NFC who won in week one, because like nobody's like buying the commanders of the Giants, the Eagles and the Saints. If you put stock under the Saints, I, I don't personally, but you know what I mean? Like they're sitting pretty, the Vikings are. They have a, a division win already in hand. I mean, this felt like, um, I, I think oftentimes when people make their season predictions, like you kind of talked about, they just go chalk, right? Like they just pick all the division winners from a year ago and then like mix one thing up, whatever. Like who, like, no, I think we're, we are, we have the most proof that we've ever had that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers reign of terror is closer to the end than it is the beginning. I'm not saying that that means they're washed or that means they're not going to be good at all. But I, I think it's very, very clear that they're on the downward part of this ride. Whereas the Vikings are on the upward part of this ride. I think this is again, not the same thing as far as like, materials but this is the same sort of effect that brandon staley had on the chargers last year there was like you you have a lot of talent you know you were just plagued by this coach who didn't know how to use it anthony lynn there and mike zimmer here um so if you'll allow me the first come up of the week goes oh to kevin o'connell minnesota vikings head coach congratulations oh koc the beloved come up of the week here on Monday, Football Monday. It is worth noting that the Packers got thrashed last week one and then made it all the sure. way to the NFC Championship, right? So that's important to to say. No, they didn't. Oh, they, still, they, 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 they the were number one seed. Round, I mean, they're awesome, right? They, yes, just to correct myself before I get the comments. And and they they had everything right in front of them at the end of the year. They had a fantastic season, so it doesn't mean anything. I think it's a little different, though. I think last year is the rarity losing in week one like that, and then being able to re rebound. I don't think you can assume that this year because you're missing a huge piece, and it's it's Devontae Adams. And you already saw Aaron Rodgers not only visibly frustrated on the field with Christian Watson, who should have made that catch all the way down the field, but then going to the press conference and sort of alluding to like, hey, this wasn't my fault. Where are my weapons? When you lose as the quarterback, you can't say things like that and i just think it's a it's a little concerning and a little bit of a glimpse into what might be a really mediocre season i don't think the pa i don't think the packers are going to go two and 15 or you. anything but couldn't you really see a really disappointing eight and nine nine and eight and it, just that organization being in shambles i and i feel for rogers to an extent I, i'm not a huge rogers guy so to speak but i feel for him because look you had the best wide receiver in the league and now you don't really have any receivers that you really feel like you can trust and then back to the Vikings, and I just want to close here. Adam Thielen has been there forever, right? And he's on the same team, just a new coaching staff. And this is back to O'Connell, and you uh, you gave the unofficial come up of the week because you know that it's a one-man vote. But this is what Thielen said. I've never been part of an offense that was just attacking and attacking and attacking. It didn't matter to the score. It didn't matter to the situation. And you had LaFleur on the other side saying they attacked our coverages and they let Justin Jefferson loose. There aren't a lot of players in the NFL, especially non-quarterbacks, that can propel a team into glory. And to your point, Justin Jefferson is certainly one of them. Um, I don't feel for Rodgers at all. I, I mean, how like you mentioned Dak. I mean, 
did did Dak go to the podium and and trash you know be like I don't have anybody you know whatever like you know like no. that that's dude like loses some grace like he is such a victim you know what I mean like we've seen that in a lot of ways but it's like oh man you know the number one targeted receiver was was dudes I mean, uh, but like I, like Dobes the, yeah Dobes, it's Dobes, Dobes, Dobes. but like I'm Sorry. I'm not denying the truth Dobes, Dobes, I'm, Dobes. I'm not denying the truth of, of this point but like that is really uncool you know what i mean to to come out and say and like you know christian watson had the big Dobbs is not going to lead to dubs <laughs> that's that's what it is Dobbs is not going to lead to dubs and so they got to figure it out um a huge congratulations to kevin o'connell for winning the come up of the week here on uh monday football monday stay with us here on monday football monday as we award the green jacket of the um, week later i've heard myself on podcasts <laughs> and i don't sound like that at all <laughs> i need to come up i need to come up with a a, uh, I need to come up with an impression of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to work on that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles came away with the a lot closer than what people thought when uh, did not cover. In fact, P, I didn't mention this when it came to the Vikings, but last week on Friday's show, uh, BLG Stats and I, we handed out our locks of the week in partnership with DraftKings. I took the Minnesota Vikings uh, as what at the time one point underdog. So obviously, um, great job by me. Uh, Stats took the Philadelphia Eagles, who I believe were four point favorites at that particular moment. Um, so a uh, big failure on Stats' part. The Eagles winning 38 to 35. Um, it was kind of the cute, you know, hey, they're they're kind of a relevant team game from the Lions and Dan Campbell. Um, the DeAndre Swift fantasy truthers had, had a big moment um, between he and Jamal Williams, by the way, 172 yards and three rushing touchdowns off of 26 attempts. Um, they have found the formula to make Jared Goff successful, and that is to literally keep the ball as far away from him as possible. Uh, the Eagles on the other side, Pete, rushing touchdowns for Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott, A.J. Brown, 10 catches off of 13 targets for 155 yards. No score, though. Um, Jalen Hurts, 18 of 32 for 243 yards passing. Uh, my big takeaway here is I, I think the Eagles did what they had to do. I think it's definitely disappointing that they didn't you know, kind of win this game a little bit more handily, especially considering they were up so bigly. Um, but... Um, they, they lived up to some of the hype. However, I think it's still very obvious that the Eagles are limited by who Jalen Hurts is as a passer. This formula can clearly be successful to a degree in the NFL and clearly work out for the Eagles. But 
I don't, I mean, I don't, I can't see the Eagles and I know a lot of Eagles fans listen to this show and they'll be upset. They can't compete with the Vikings offense. We just talked about, they can't like Jalen hurts does not have that gear as a passer. At least we didn't see it on Sunday. No, I, I think we're, we're getting evidence as to why getting a receiver for Philadelphia was so important. And this entire NFL offseason, and we were in Kansas City right in the spotlight of this as well, was about big wide receiver movement. And I think you're seeing how important it is when you don't necessarily have a quarterback who is otherworldly and a team like Philly, and we can go to Miami next, uh, even Las Vegas, who in a losing effort, Devontae Adams was fantastic. And you could tell that Vegas is going to be right there, even though they lost to the Chargers. But right here in Philly, you just see how important having an outstanding receiver with what would be an average to slightly above average quarterback can do for a team. Their entire outlook to me is different after this week one game. I understand it's against the lions, but with Brown doing what he did just as far as just a counterpart to Smith, who had a very, very quiet game, but that's not expected to continue. I think as Brown, no catches for targets forgot a lot of fantasy owners, not thrilled about that, but, Uh, I think it's going to open things up as the season goes on for Goddard and uh, for Smith and for some of these backs in the passing game. And I I think the Eagles feel now in a suddenly interesting NFC East, they feel like the very clear, even though Washington and New York won very clear favorite, even. And I hate to say this because it's just one look here in 2022, even despite Jalen hurts, who I think the Eagles are getting their answer. And it's in long term. It, as far as going through the season, the end of the season, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because I think the Eagles are now built, especially with defense to have a very successful year, but I think they might get their answer and saying, I don't necessarily know if Hertz is the guy. So could you have a successful season where maybe you win a playoff game and then you make a change at quarterback? It's just long-term. It's very interesting. And then on the other side, I think that we learned the lines have been a hot pick. The Hard Knocks team, especially when it was as good and revitalized this year, will always get a lot of love as far as they're going to come out of the woodwork and do something. They're going to be better than last year. They're going to win some games this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. And they are held back by their below average quarterback. He had a moment. What did I write it down? Uh, he He had a moment where he hit DJ Chark, which was an outstanding throw and really kept the Lions in the game but they wouldn't have had to crawl back in the game if it just wasn't a god-awful pick six to James Bradbury where you saw the head coach, and he was just just very, very upset about how how that play had gone. Um, and that's that's the give and take of Jared Goff, and, you, and Jared Goff is only going to take you so far. So the Lions will, will be interesting this year, but I, I mean, I'm ready to say they're not going to be. I agree with two. you, or I agree with you, excuse me, 100% on basically everything. Um, but I think, like, we have to stop, like, giving the Lions a pass. Like, we have to stop, like, oh, well, you know, they're, they'll be cool. They'll be fine. Like, they'll be entertaining. Like, no. Like, at what point, like, do we have legitimate standards for the Lions? You know what I mean? Like, the, the like, kneecapness of it all, like, that bit has worn itself out. Um, back to the Philly thing, just just quickly. I think this is, look, if you're an Eagles fan, I don't know how you're feeling badly about this game. Like, you should feel great. Your team won. But I do think that you, to your point, Pete, you don't you don't know. And, like, again, you know, I talk to BLG every week on the NFC's mixtape. If you're an Eagles fan, at the end of this season, you have to know. 
you have to know whether you're you're committing to Jalen Hurts long term or if he's awful. And this was not a game that that swayed you in either one of those directions, right? Like you, you can't be stuck in purgatory with him. That's the worst case scenario is that this is a team who wins 10, 11 games. He has some nice moments and he gives you just enough to kind of talk yourself into him, but enough to also be worried about him in the long term. And then you pass up whatever the opportunity is. Maybe it's Lamar Jackson in the offseason. We'll get there as well. Um, okay, this is our last uh, kind of bigger deep dive, and then we'll kind of fly through the rest. You called it, Pete. The Miami Dolphins um, defeated the New England Patriots, made them wear navy in that that hot sun. Welcome to Miami. Party in the city where the heat is on. My man Pete Sweeney covered a Super Bowl in that Hard Rock Stadium. You well, did. I wasn't in the stadium. You did, too. This well, yeah, right, you right. weren't in the stadium, right? We did have we some did. Um, And so the Dolphins getting the 20-7 to win uh, to a – Fine, you know, efficient, n- n- nothing yeah. to really write home about. Uh, Chase Edmonds, 12 carries, only 25 yards. Talk about fantasy owners being upset. Uh, not exactly something to, uh, you know, be pumped about. Tyree Kill, 12 targets. They didn't trade for him just to, you know, kind of watch him, you know, do nothing. Um, eight catches, 94 yards. Jalen Waddle had the four catches for 69 nice yards and the score. Uh, there was the nice little Waddle moment with all the fans and everything like that. Um, this, this was Miami kind of living up to – you know, like uh, the, Miami is, is what we all kind of thought the Lions would be, but just like actually good. You know what I mean? Like, OK, go out and do the thing and, and be efficient yeah. and, and revolutionize the world, whatever. Um, You know, we can talk about New England, but New England was really just kind of flat. Yeah. And Bill Belichick said after the game that the, the game was a lot closer and it came down to two plays and that made the score a lot different. But I don't know. That's that's the game. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, I understand two plays were made that changed the whole score, but that's that they were part of the game. So I don't know what what that excuse is like. The score early on the Jones fumble, I think set set the tone, and I think, and I'm feeling this more in Kansas City, so I want to mention that 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 bias there. But I think Tyree Kill and some of his comments this offseason and how annoying he's been has made people kind of want to be down mm. on Tyree Kill. The problem is, is that he is just a nut He's insane. football player. As, as annoying as he can be in the media, especially the Kansas Cityans, uh, as he looks back at his old team and says, my new quarterback is accurate, yada, yada, whatever. But he is just so good. Uh, he is not a tall player, yet he high points with the tallest of defensive backs, made some great plays on this. And I think what's interesting about Miami and now it's gotten me more interested a little bit in the, the AFC East is that I don't love Tua. I don't know if anyone loves Tua. I think he's an average quarterback, but I think these receivers in Hill and Waddle and with McDaniel sure. drawing it up might be exactly what makes him most effective because I saw it in Kansas City. You give Tyreek Hill three yards, it's going for 40. I think he can say the same thing about Waddle. We saw him dot, you know, dashing and, and, and juking through what looked like multiple defenders for a touchdown. And so is it going to be otherworldly? Is it going to be magnificent? Is it going to be super flashy? I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think Tua can can make the most of Tyree Kill as far as downfield throws. But look, McDaniel can scheme it up and get these guys in space. And even if it's 10 to 15 yards down the field, guess what? If they have a little room, it's going for for and it's more yak than it is through the air. And you can win a lot of games that way. And I suddenly think Miami is spicy. And I like that spiciness because, as you know, I don't love the Buffalo mm. hype. And so I would love to see a team in the AFC East kind of compete there where I thought it might have been Buffalo and three other teams. To me, there's some some spice to Miami where you don't have that in New England 
and what would be the New York Jets. I agree with everything you said, and I'm not likening the situations. We I'm, I'm not likening today, the baby. situations by any means because um, I'm not – I mean, I'm with you on Tua. But it feels like when Buffalo traded for Stephon Diggs, like they said, you know what we need to do? Let's help the quarterback. Let's get some receivers. They signed Colby's. Right. Let's get some receivers who can create separation, who can help him out. Let's stop putting too much pressure on the quarterback. And so, again, I'm not saying that, you know, Tua is about to have some glow up, um, you know, in the way that, um, that, that Josh Allen did. But, I mean, this is nice. Even, you know, I love Cedric Wilson, obviously, coming from the Cowboys. Like, these are some fast, shifty players on the Dolphins roster. You trust Mike McDaniel. I think we're, we're all kind of down on the Patriots side of things. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that we really believe the dolphins did something impressive, like slaying the Patriots is not what it used to be. You know, they're not this like Kingmaker, um, like the way they've been in the past, uh, like the way, well, the way that, it, it was different. Yeah. Like when Patrick Mahomes did it, you know, they were still kind of at the peak of their power. So it was kind of like, Whoa, watch out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but still, um, you know, Hey, it, it just kind of is what it is. Pete, are you ready for our, no, Very go ahead. One, one last point on this. I have this off season to an extent, defended Bill Belichick. And it's like, how can any of us question? However, watching clips of this game and seeing Matt Patricia pencil in the ear calling offensive plays followed by a fumble for a touchdown really, I think, makes me wonder (laughs) if they know what they're doing anymore in New England. I just, I wonder out loud, okay, could they have made a grand mistake by pairing Joe Judge and Matt Patricia and saying, Mac Jones, you go and, and figure this thing out. So to me, I, I'm just I'm wondering if, if New England knows what they're doing now. And I, I think they have to, to go back to the drawing board here and figure out you know, what is going to happen uh, when it comes to facing a Pittsburgh Steelers team next week that we saw do what they were able to do to the Cincinnati Bengals, right? So even without TJ Watt, for me, if Pittsburgh can if Pittsburgh can really, I think, counteract everything that Joe Burrow can do, I just wonder what they're going to do to Mac Jones in a week two game coming after this really bad looking loss in yeah, Miami. Tough cookies for uh for the Patriots. Great job by Pete for the YouTube audience that saw I had to go get the door very quickly. So um Good, good for you, Pete. Um, are you ready for um, the speed Thanks. round? Uh, the rest of the games that we won't dive in as deeply. Um, I do have a suggestion sure. for you if you're ready, though. So okay, uh, back it? when the boss man, Michael Kist, was running BGN Radio, uh, they used to do this thing after every Eagles game and would say, kind of describe it in three words, right? They would ask people for, for three words to describe that particular Eagles game. Let's be more efficient than Kist. All right, Pete? Two words. We're going to go through each game. We'll do this every season if you're down. First thing we do before we talk about it is two words to describe that game. Okay. It can be about the winning team or the losing team. Are you ready? All right. The New Orleans Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons 27 to 26. Two words, go. Come up. Why? Because Michael Thomas is back, baby. He is the come up of the week. Michael Thomas, we heard all these training camp reports. uh, Thomas, he's back. He looks great. We know that's coming from the agent. We know that's coming from the player side. Maybe Loomis, the GM, is floating out that that note to Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and whoever. But he looked like the old Michael Thomas yesterday. And guess what? I was not high on the Saints. I didn't think they'd really be a, a team that we would have to consider for playoff oh. contention. If Michael Thomas is the old Michael Th- Thomas. Suddenly, I think this team is very, very interesting. Now, 
the, the leading rusher was Taysom well, yeah, Hill. Well, he had the 57-yard game. I did yeah, not expect. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so I, I think as, you know, Winston works through the passing game, uh, the running game will naturally get better. But this seems to be a complete team. And I, I think the Saints are suddenly an interesting team. I Michael Thomas makes such a huge difference. If he is the old Michael Thomas, he's one of these receivers we're talking about. Maybe not tier one anymore, but high, high, high tier two. And that could change the game for an organization. So I again, agree with everything you said here. Um, I don't know that I think they're like number one seed potential um, the way Peter King does when it comes to the Saints, but they could totally, you know, be cute. I mean, again, especially given the way the Bucks were kind of down, I, like could we know the Saints already kind of own the Bucks? You know what I mean? Like, like, is there a path? Totally. Um, I will say my two words are for real, like looking at the Atlanta Falcons, because this was a game that it kind of looked like Atlanta was going to win. You talked about leading rusher. Cordero Patterson had 22 carries for a buck 20 and a score. You talk about fantasy oversights. I feel like like of all the names in, in people and players and whatever that I read, nobody thought that Cordell Patterson was going to dominate. I thought Arthur Smith was in contention to be the first head coach fired this season. Marcus Mariota was all right. Like this Falcons team might not be the like, you know, um, I don't know what the bees um, knees, if no, you will. But um, the this, bees knees. I will say this uh, about the Saints. This was the, 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 the most value win that any team had in week one because it looked like they were going to lose this game. They got a road divisional win, kind of a last second sort of thing. Man, um, good for the Saints, bad for the Falcons. All right, two words, 49ers falling to the Bears, 19 to 10, go. Trey Lance. This can't be your two words. You can't pick is... like a name is your two words to be very clear here. Big Why? Oh, okay. Uh, sad sack. <laughs> The 49ers are a sad tech and the Buff the Chicago Bears are a team that should have been buying for that OFA, right? Like they're one of these teams that has no business almost winning a game this year. And they were able to to get the first one. And it had a lot more to me uh to do with San Francisco not looking good than the Bears looking particularly good. Now I I know you're gonna talk about the weather in this and and I've heard stats and and everything that he said about Jimmy G still being around, and it's happening, right? Like, you, Dre Lance does not look like he is ready to be a starter in the NFL, and you have hung, hungry fans to me in San Francisco, and I wonder if it starts to become a thing. What is the record that San Francisco has to have before people are calling for Jimmy G? Is it 0-2? Is it 0-3? Well, it's still a possibility now after you lost to a team that, again, should not be winning one game this year. Chicago, and everyone would agree this, smart football pe people would agree this, Chicago is not really doing a lot for what would be Justin Fields and, and leaning into him. They're in really like complete rebound, rebuild mode. And so to lose this game to me is just a sign of really, a really, a really, really bad sign of, of what might be to come for well, a lot of people were considering just a Super Bowl favorite on almost no information about Trey Lance at all. And so, you know, shame on everybody. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where all those San Francisco Super Bowl picks were coming from. My two words are goodness um, in two different ways. Um, I'm with you on, on the Trey Lance thing. I'm not I'm not out on him. I don't think he's unqualified as an NFL player. You're right. The weather, the like monsoon that took place here um, is a factor. Um, but I think the only team who maybe hates their quarterback more than the Cowboys might be the 49ers because they have gone out of their way and stats has done a, a great job, you know, being kind of one of the only people who's held them accountable for this over at Niners nation. They, you know, kept Jimmy on the roster, by the way, all these Cowboys fans that are like, should we trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? No, no. The answer is no. Quit tweeting me that. But, um, 
but so they kept Jimmy on, on the roster. To your point, again, Pete, like lots of you know positive energy here between RJ and Pete. Um, like what what happens now? Like there's definitely somebody right who's thinking like it, it would be foolish, but somebody is thinking, hey, why not Jimmy Garoppolo? We got to turn to Jimmy, whatever. Um, so they kept Jimmy around. They did not make Trey Lance a captain. That was a weird kind of story percolating in the ether a week ago. And this was I asked stats on Friday. I said, is this not the perfect recipe for like disaster and chaos? to go lose to the quarterback who the 49ers passed up in the 2021 NFL draft. They did not choose to draft Justin Fields, who was not amazing in this game. I did throw two touchdowns, eight of 17, but you're right. Like it was, this is one of those, like they really want, but, but this is one of those games that Bears fans are going to look at all off season and be like, we just got to play the way we did against the 49ers. We just got to do that stuff more. You know what I mean? Aside from aside from that disaster that was Sunday Night Football, I mean, you can make a case that this was the worst game to watch. The only only cool part of it really was the weather. And it looked like two middling teams that are not going to make the playoffs. And you did have a moment with the Bears where they're sliding into the end zone in the water. And man, what a disaster that is brewing in San Francisco. We already know that it's a disaster in Dallas, right. that it's 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 crossed the disaster line, but a disaster is brewing. I got to say, Pete, I feel somewhat freed. I feel like Dobby the Elf. You know what I mean? Like I've been given like, like I can just enjoy <laughs> football. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, you know, it, it's kind right. of freeing. Um, so um, it, it is what it yeah. is. Let's move on. Two words for me. I'll go first. Ravens defeating the Jets 24 to 9. Pay Lamar. It was so obvious when the Ravens and Lamar Jackson did not consummate a deal before the weekend arrived that Lamar was going to go off 17 of 30, 213 yards, three touchdowns did have the interception uh, chipped in 17 yards on the ground. Kenyon Drake, only 11 carries 31 yards. We know they're dealing with injuries there. This was what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be an elite team. Go, go beat the crap out of a bad team. Right? You were fortunate enough to draw the jets in week one, the jets without Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times against the Ravens um in his revenge game but um good for the Ravens this is what they needed shout out Kyle Barber shout out Baltimore beat down the Jets the Jets like the, the Niners are a chaotic mess Pete the Cowboys are a dysfunctional mess the, I feel like the Jets have reached a point of being like an irrelevant mess like I don't I don't think anybody really cares anymore like that they have all this disaster encircling them it's just like that's the Jets way but your two words well I'm going to respond to your two words which was pay Lamar and I'm going to tell you it's too That's late three words. and it's a big reason too late. It's a big reason why I picked the Ravens to win the AFC bye week along with their division being a little bit easier than what would be the chiefs. And it's because I think Lamar is going to play at an MVP level again. This is an MVP quarterback in his mid twenties and you didn't find a way to pay him past his deadline that he made. I don't care if he doesn't have an agent. I was like, Oh, he should have an agent. He should. Uh, yeah. Why? 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 You know, it, it, who, it, the Ravens have to just work with them, right? That That is what they have. It, it's it's not anyone. It's not anyone's opinion that Lamar has to take and, and go and, and get an agent. Players have worked on their own deals and been able to work them out with the organization. And so to me, for him to go out there and not only to get it done on the ground as he does where he needed to, but 17 of 30, 213, three touchdowns, interception. Okay, modest numbers, but that no-look pass to Devin DuVarnay and then the long touchdown in stride to Rashad Bateman. I mean, he's proving even as you get rid of what would be his number one wide receiver. I still think the number one pass catcher on this team, of course, is Mark Andrews. But you, you get his, rid of his number one wide receiver. And he was able to thrive even, even against a team like the Jets, who, you know, quietly, a lot of people, I know that Flacco was starting this game, but a lot of people felt like, okay, at least defensively, they're going to be there this year. Look, Ravens were able to get it done, and I think they're going to have a really successful year so long as they can stay healthy. Last year was a disaster. They didn't have their number one running back in this game. And look, they they got through week one, and they should 
next week start to get that reinforcement back. And so, uh, yeah, I think answering you, pay Lamar mm. too late, too late. This guy is going to get more expensive as the weeks go on. And the ownership should be embarrassed Seriously. because you control it. You control it. You you could have figured it's, this out. I mean, I, I, I said this a thousand times with Dak Prescott. Like you, you have to do it. You have to bite the bullet, right? At a certain point, you're just going to have to do it. You're going to have to make your quarterback the highest paid player in the NFL. You're going to have to give him the most guaranteed money in the NFL. And then guess what? In the blink of an eye, it's going to be gone. Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow going to be eligible for new deals in the offseason. I mean, it's like, what? what is, what, why are you taking so long to do this? But uh, whatever, I, I digress. Tua also be eligible for new deals. So watch out. But anyway, uh, we have seven games left, Pete. So let's kind of pick up the pace here. The uh, Washington Commanders. Hey, W. F-T. Uh, the Washington Commanders have never lost a game in franchise history. They win 28 to 22 uh, against Doug Peterson in his Jacksonville Jaguars debut. Wow. Damn. Does it? Th- those are my two words. And uh, and I, I think no sign greater of a weird week one than the three candidates for the FedEx Air Player of the Week being Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Carson Wentz, welcome back, baby. How about that? Carson Wentz, 313 yards and four touchdowns, and he actually looked pretty good in this uh, game. We've seen games like this from Carson Wentz before, so he's got to do it over a a full year, but I don't I don't think anyone was expecting Carson Wentz to be among Mahomes and Herbert for player of the week in, in any any My category. two words, so, congratulations. Take command. Um, this was the the commanders do what they had to do i think this was a bad game for the like well the jaguars could actually win the afc south people like this jaguars team did not look good um i know they have a lot of work to do and they have a lot of things to overcome but man like just a tough scene for the jags um, in a lot of senses but let's move on the carolina panthers fall pete to the cleveland browns in the battle of i wouldn't say good guys versus bad guys because the panthers were kind of the leading candidate for deshaun watson but just kind of the battle of game we really cared the least about I don't think we really should give the Browns too much attention. They did win on a last-second field goal by Cade York. Your true words. So obvious. And I'm annoyed at myself because in our SB Nation picks, I picked the Panthers because I'm like, I just think they're generally a better team. You know, they have a better team. But I had a friend who, who picked the Panthers in the, in the survivor pool, and I was just like, why in a million years <laughs> would, would you do that? I mean, this is just set up for Baker Mayfield to lose this game. Uh, he talks a lot, or and he didn't really talk a lot going into this game, to be fair, but you could just feel the vibe of Baker and mm-hmm. how he was feeling dangerous about the game. And then he lays an egg, and the, the Browns win at the last second here. So, uh, so obvious, and I and I include myself in that ridicule because I should have seen it. I'm with you. I wanted the, the Panthers to win this game. Um, again, just, yeah, I think we all agree, but my two words, super safe, which is the opposite of feeling dangerous. Um, Baker, like... Miss me with this, like, oh, man, like, energy of, like, I'm going to show them up. You, you had your chance. You, you had a whole game. You, you, like, you, you had your chance to, it, like, you, you want, like, you know, retribution or, or restitution or you want, like, revenge or whatever. I, like, you had a whole yeah. game and you failed. You know, and it, it's created a weird situation in the NFL. And I'm not trying to get into this disaster, you know, because there's multiple disasters in the NFL. But Jacoby Brissett is such a good guy someone that you want to root for. But you can't root for the Browns being 6-5 and five when Week 11 rolls around, you know. And so it's, like... It's it blows your mind. It's almost it was almost like a bittersweet, weird feeling that I had after this game. Mm. Uh, the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts tied a 20 piece. Normally, that's 20 nuggets from McDonald's. You go sweet and sour barbecue sauce, Pete. For what? For your sauce. When you get Chick-fil-A and nugget, or Chick-fil-A, uh, McDonald's. Okay, nuggets. so the, the absolute greatest sauce in the world is mixing barbecue sauce and ranch. That is 
Oh my gosh. Um, wow. Definitely not in agreement anymore. Um, yeah. Whoa. Um, anyway, um, the, uh, <laughs> we had our first tie. It looked like we were going to get two ties, by the way, when the Bengals Steelers thing uh, was going on. I'm sure John loved that, but um, I'll let you go first. So what am I, a, a tie? Well, okay. How about this? Premier League. Because I've started <laughs> to like soccer recently. Look at you. <laughs> uh, Pizza Big Spurs fan, by the way, everybody. So. Spurs up. Come on, you Spurs. Coys. Uh, I hate ties. I hate, that's my least favorite thing about watching soccer. And I actually really enjoy it. I don't know I if I have a proper solution for so-, so we're all aware, but yeah, I don't know if I have a, a solution for European football, uh, but, uh, American football needs to get rid of ties. I don't, I don't care about, uh, look, football is an, an injury. You got to play the letters of winner at a certain point. If you, if you get through the final overtime at that point, regardless of how many people have touched the ball, yada, yada, it's, it's, if it gets to a second overtime, it's just whoever scores first, whoever has the ball score, you know, and, you have a winner. Uh, I hate ties, and we already have now. And you've made this point before, and I and I don't like to agree with a lot of your quirky points, but I uh, quirky points, but I agree with this one. Like, I hate when the records get messed up, and here mm-hmm. we are for the rest of the NFL season where the records are messed up. So, well, and if you're, I, I don't think anybody cares about the AFC South, but if you do care about the AFC South, now it's like you got to factor this into the formula. Like, well, you know, they have to tell you half a half a win, half a lot. You know, it's me a big thing. Uh, my two words: How shocking that the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> sucked. I mean, seriously, Matt Ryan's going to fix everything. You yeah. mentioned Carson Wentz had a good game. I would kind of push back on that, but whatever. He got intercepted on a screen pass, and everybody well, that, dumped that was on the game. Bef- that was the game before. Well, no, I'm just saying like everybody dumped oh, okay. on Carson Wentz for his screen, his interception on the screen pass sure, uh, on Sunday. Matt, Matt Ryan had an even worse one in this game. This this offense, look, they they caught fire late against a not great Texans team, and so everyone's going to act like, oh, they're awesome. Michael Pittman scored, Jonathan Taylor scored, all the fantasy owners are happy and things like that. This is a really bad team. This is a really bad team, and <laughs> lo and behold, trading for Matt Ryan did not solve all their problems. They are frauds hey, with a capital F. That fourth quarter was something to grow on. I, you know, you'd feel a lot. That's this is what's weird about the NFL. You just would feel a lot better about this Colts comeback when you say, okay, we started slow, but at least we won in overtime. But Blankenship, I mean, there's one NFL player that I look like, and it's Rodrigo Blankenship. We look the same, and he let me yeah, down. It's like Mike McDaniel too. So. You know how people have a namesake, my face sake. Rodrigo Blankenship let me down, especially when I wear my black frames. These not as much, but my black frames. We look, we look a lot alike. Um, just, I mean, I, I guess on that note, um, this is really like I hate the Colts. I really cannot stand the Colts. And you mentioned Jacoby Brissett, who's awesome. Imagine if the Colts never moved on from Jacoby Brissett. Like, you know, what I'm like could, could the Colts not use Jacoby Brissett right now? I think Matt Ryan is better than Jacoby Brissett. Look, you get my point. Like, th- this yeah. is, you know, whatever. Uh, the, oh my gosh, the New York Giants got the win, <laughs> 21 to 20. Yeah. My I two words. That... Let me go first. Let me oh, go, go, first. Go, go ahead. Pete Tweeney. Pete called uh, it. Pete oh, took yeah. the Giants. Pete believed. Oh, yeah. Brian Dable was, I don't know what I he was doing in the locker room. I have afterwards. an interesting point about the Giants, though. Okay. I, I think so. Part of the reason was, okay, the Titans just unloaded A.J. Brown, which I thought was a huge mistake. I know that there were a contract dispute, uh, but they brought in Dable, and I, I like Dable. I, I just think he, he's, a, I think he's a culture changer. I know that uh, there's a, a, what, a cliche about that type of stuff, but I, I think he brings a, a lot of smart and, I think, a new energy to the offense and, and what they can possibly figure out here. Of course, my guy Mike Kafka calling the plays. And I think that 
I, like I'm, I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. I think he's a bottom and a half of the league quarterback for sure. But I think that if Daniel Jones is going to be to work and be serviceable to make your team at least competitive, then Saquon Barkley has to look like one of the better running backs in the league, better skill players in the league. Period. And he looked like the old Barkley again. I mean, he looked like that. You talk about MT. He looked like that player that could you could run an offense through. And if the Giants are going to be successful, it's not running it through Daniel Jones or any of these receivers that have been around for years. It's let's run it through Saquon Barkley. Let's let Barkley dominate. Let's do a play action. Let's do a play action boot. And Daniel Jones can run for the four yard first down. And now there's a there's a formula here. Whereas like I don't I'm, I don't love the Giants, but I, I think there's a formula for them to win now if Barkley can remain looking like the old Barkley, which was a dominant, dominant, dominant player. I wouldn't go that far, but he definitely backed up a lot of the like I'm taking it seriously talk. Like, we'll how see. about going for two though? I mean, just the no, just like, the onions. I so I tweeted when that happened, and I was getting ready for uh, the Cowboys game. So like, it was the last moment of happiness I felt. Um, but like, what bothers me, like they got it, and that's you know like the unfortunate thing. But like, what bothers me is that they're a team who will not do that, right? I I respect that. Like, great call, Brian Dable. You know right. what I mean? Like, I like the Giants. How many times you see the team go for two though in that spot and they just don't get it? I mean, it's well, like, it feels rare that they that someone is just like, well, we're not going to go to overtime. We're going to go win the game, and well, then they Dan actually Campbell did it last year, and then you know whatever. And actually, we didn't touch on this, but Lovey Smith played for the tie. Like what the most cowardly yes. move of the week yeah, yeah. was Lovey Smith punting and accepting that. the tie in overtime against the Colts. And so I applaud Brian Dable saying, let's go for the win. I think those are the types of things that change the culture. Those are the types of things where your locker room, your players feel like our coach is willing to go for our coach is willing to trust us. The exact opposite of Joe judge and, and taking a knee, you know, deep in their own territory late last season because their offense was so inept. So um, kudos to the giants. Um, we have two games left chiefs, destroy the Cardinals 44 to 21. Um, obviously, Pete, you guys covered it very well over at Arrowhead Pride. My two words, ready for this? Big red. There's only one big red in the NFL, and it's the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Miss me with the Cardinals and the big red sign or whatever siren yeah. thing. Like sure. the Cardinals are such losers. The Cardinals are terrible. The Cardinals, I don't think, are taking enough heat. And I think it's because people have just like given up on caring about them. Like the, this was a bad performance. They got destroyed by the Chiefs. They were badly hurt. Uh but you know, we've seen teams injured before competing games, and they did not do that. My two words are told you, and I don't know if I need to elaborate about that. Um, finally, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers survived and beat the Las Black. Vegas Raiders 24 to 19. Um, I'll give you the first word and therefore the first two words. Competitive division. Mm. I think the Raiders actually played well in this game. Agreed. I know that Derek, Derek Carr had three interceptions, but they looked pretty good and as someone who covers this division in in the fashion in Kansas City like I just these teams are going to beat up on each other they're there there are four good teams um you know we'll see if Denver can take care of business tonight I expect they will and uh, you're gonna have games like this where a good team gets a loss and I I really it's a really really interesting division man what a move to bring Devontae Adams in I think Losing Keenan Allen is tough for the Chargers. I'm not, I'm not sure they can come into Kansas City on four days rest. I don't think Allen is going to play and and follow this up with another win. But I I think that it's it's just the best division in football. And for me, I have a little bias here, right? Because I you know I have to watch every Chiefs game, but I just feel like these AFC West games feel must watch now, similar to how the NFC West felt for a long time. 
Agreed. My two words would be in that sense. Like this is about the Chargers specifically, but uh, about the division as a whole. Confirmed priors, right? Like sometimes yeah. we we hype something up, right? Like oh, it's going to be amazing. Like oh, blah blah blah, and then it, like even the NFC West, you know. I wouldn't say a year ago, but I mean, a year ago, kind of like everybody was talking about like how competitive it was. And it was, I mean, it had three teams go to the playoffs, but like the Niners had Jimmy and the Cardinals were frauds. I mean, like this, you know, so far one weekend confirmed the prize. I cannot wait for Thursday night football. I cannot believe how excited I am for Thursday night football week two, actual Thursday night football, not like last week. Like, I mean, this is yeah. going to be an epic game. And, you know, I, I thought had the chargers lost this game, they were really going to be like teetering on the edge. I've maintained that the Chiefs are being eternally disrespected. If you got Patrick Mahomes MVP odds last week, if you got Chiefs AFC West odds, even Chiefs AFC odds, I mean, like, I think that that I think people are waking back up to like, oh, hey, they have the best quarterback in the world. They have Travis Kelsey. Like, they have all these new weapons and pieces they added. Um, I don't know that I feel like the Chargers are ready to compete with the Chiefs this week. We'll see what happens with Keenan Allen. Uh, but uh, well, this is the was, problem. Uh, I mean, Thursday night football is amazing. The Chiefs came away with five injuries too, and I don't, I don't think at least two of those players are going to play. Thursday night football is like I love Thursday night football as someone where, you know, you're just from a viewer's standpoint. But this right. is the problem with, with Thursday night football is there are several players, I think, heading into this game. J.C. Jackson is another one. I know that injury was before, mm -hmm. but like there are injuries that are going to impact this game that wouldn't impact it if it were on Sunday. And that's just the right. caveat of the Thursday night game. You know, when well, you wonder if the Chargers kind of maybe hoped that they could get through the, the Raiders game without JC Jackson who didn't play and, and get him to this game one to know you know what I right. mean like you're right, playing right. for the Chiefs as opposed to the Raiders um finally just quickly um you know because some people listen before the, the night game Monday Night Football tonight the debut of the new look version of Monday Night Football shout out to Troy Aikman um and Joe Buck of course um, when we started this stream slash recording, Pete Tweeney, our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook had the Denver Broncos as seven-point favorites. That has moved in the hour that we've been recording. They are now only six-and-a-half-point favorites. So Broncos by six-and-a-half over the Seahawks. What do you have? Who do you have? Two words. Go. Why? Mr. Unlimited. You really I just hope that you're right. I was really hoping you were going to say Broncos country, and then my two words would have been let's ride. I, I, <laughs> how did I, you drop the ball? Oh my God. I, I just, I, I needed to talk about Mr. Unlimited because I just hope that, you know, once, once you kind of get through the work, they are Jay, just like I will. I just hope that you're ready to turn on ESPN and it is going to be the Russ Wilson show tonight. You are going to see Russ Wilson the most on the screen at every time. Pete Carroll, a close second. And what I, I hope in this game, and it's not just because I cover the Chiefs, I just, I just, I hate, I hate overhype. I hate narratives being pushed and shoved down our throat. I uh, hope Pete Carroll. the person who covers Patrick Mahomes. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I Yeah, right. Like Mahomes gets any credit <laughs> that he absolutely deserves. I hope that Pete Carroll, a fellow Pete, comes out tonight, Rashad Penny, they run the football and somehow win. 8-10-3 oh, game. The Seahawks are my team of NFM, and I hope they somehow pull this off. <laughs> I know that's not going to happen, but that is what I'm rooting for. I don't think I'm going to place a side. They call these sides. I don't think I'm going to bet on this right. game because I want to root for the Seahawks, but I'll be I'll be playing some DraftKings. I'll be um, I'll, I'll put in a lineup or two. Should be noted, um, our teams of MFM, yours are the Seattle Seahawks, mine are the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm already through week one uh, with a 1-0 right. record. Um, but um, 
yeah, I'm I'm with you. And like and again, like I'm so damaged as a football fan right now that like I just want to watch like chaos. Like I, I like that's mm. all I like bring everybody down to my level. You know what I mean? Right. Get down here in the come, mud, come with me to exactly. Dallas Purgatory. Come yes. with me, come from away. I know you saw that show fantastic. Come from uh, away. Um, anyway, uh, my two words go Hawks. I mean, that's really like what, what else uh, encapsulates this game other than that? Right. Um, so right. let's go Seahawks at least, you know, cover, just make it interesting. Um, I know her internet is spotty, so we'll see if this works. Rachelle, this was a long show. We're going to have to work on trimming it in the weeks to come. Uh, shout out of course to Jason Sheeran for joining us, but Rachelle, the time has come to award today's MF double MVP. What was your thought process? Your takeaway from week one, lay it all on us. A little peek behind the curtain, we reached out to John on Friday and immediately like he was just like, I'm in, you know, whatever you need, I'm in there. So I'm going to mm -hmm. give John today. He set the tone early for, you know, <laughs> well, why not? So, yes, John gets it for today. I think it's the first time you've ever given it to a guest. And we've actually like had Dak Prescott on the show before. Like we've had some <laughs> like some actual NFL players and things like that. But John Sheeran. Because you guys did the interview. You have to prep for the interview. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, Pete looks <laughs> devastated for the podcast. I, I cannot uh, believe that pick. I just can't believe it. That's all I'm saying. I, Rachel, I let me let me put I some more pressure on you. If you had to pick one of us, but like if you had to assign an MF Devil MVP between RJ and Pete, well, John wins the like real one, but like we're talking the little baby one now, like the small trophy. Um, who would you hand it out to? Pete. Thank you. Wow. Whew. Okay. I just, I, I mean, I, it's like eat, sleep, beat RJ in the MF double MVP. I, I feel like I have probably won 85 to 90% of, uh, Rachel, of this award. I mean, I've had your back always. The Ravens are my team of MFM. I mean, like what the hell? Go Hawks. Go um, Hawks. Wow. Rachel, uh, wow, give us two, give us two words to describe any game you want. So tell us the game and then your two words. A mess. Uh-oh. Which, Which one was game that? Is that? Yeah. I think that that could be applied for the 49ers game and it also mm -hmm. could be applied for the Bengals game as well. And the Texans game. And really the Dallas game. I mean a wow. lot of there were a lot of messes. Sure. There were a lot of messes. on Sunday. Yeah. Messy Sunday messy. <laughs> yeah. MSN. Um, MSN. Uh, um Wait, why wouldn't it be Sunday Messy Sunday if it was I don't like know. I just don't think you want to confuse it with, with the, the text, right? So SMS and then someone's like, wait, do you text me? Um, what, do, what are you doing? All right. Um, let's get out of here. Um, and while we do, a shout out to Pete from the Bronx, New York. Pete, Public sing us, start spreading the news as a congratulations to the New York Giants and you for being the only one to pick them. Pete, the floor is yours. These little town melting away. I'm gonna make a brand new start of it in old New York. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.